0: Welcome to the Disruptor Series Podcast, Adweek's agency podcast of the year. Every episode, we listen to and learn from people who are disrupting business, culture, and life. Here are your hosts, Asha Davis, strategy director, and Rob Schwartz, CEO of TBWA Day New York.
1: All right, thank you for tuning in. Our guest today is the EVP CMO for the WSJ a.k.a. Susie Watford, the EVP and Chief Marketing and Membership Officer of the Wall Street Journal. Susie Watford, welcome to the Disruptor Series podcast.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
1: All right. I want to throw out a disruption. First question. Here's the disruption for you. Between Bitcoin, GameStop, Reddit, Robinhood, the NFT hype, the stimulus checks and their effect, this incredible business news flow. Here's the question. Has business replaced baseball as America's pastime?
2: (laughs) That's a great question. Um, Yeah, maybe. I mean, look, these last couple of months, right, it's been a phenomenal news cycle. It doesn't show any signs of slowing down with the Roblox listing and, and all that stuff. It's just, it's fascinating. And it's great to see, I think, people being so engaged in these stories and how it can impact people's lives. It's a really interesting, really interesting time. It feels more accessible than ever. I'm not sure whether that's because people have got more time on their hands and more interest or whether it's because the kind of brands that we're talking about here are suddenly brands that people know and, you know, have, uh, have experienced themselves. But yeah, it's, it's um, yeah, it's a fascinating time.
0: Yeah, that's a great point in terms of, you know, the, the types of brands and, and companies and, and people sort of following what they love and what they interact with in their yeah. day-to-day lives as kind of one of those drivers of interest in the, in yeah. the sector.
2: I think it really is. I mean, I, when you hear people talk about their passion for, you know, Netflix or Peloton or all these different brands, and they, they feel very invested in them, right? And obviously, with Robin Hood, people then are able to play their role in that and, and have their piece of that. So, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely changed from it being a pastime of, um, you know, only the only people in kind of big business. And it was great for us.
1: Yeah. By the way, one thing I, I, I appreciate about what the Wall Street Journal does is that you're not shy about illuminating. An idea, so I, just this morning uh, I was reading about the GE's reverse stock split, and I thought I knew what a reverse stock split was, but you know I call it the paper, but the publication did a brilliant job yeah. of really taking you through within the article this is what a reverse stock split is, and by the end of the article, I really understood it, yeah. and of course I'm, I'm ready to short it, but still <laughs>
2: I think, I think that's the beauty of really brilliant reporting. I remember when I was at the Times of London before I came to the Wall Street Journal and the Times of London is also an amazing, amazing publication. But when I was coming to the Wall Street Journal, the journalist at the Times of London said that there's there's no better, there's no better reporting. And there's a beautiful simplicity in being able to do you know, stories and coverage like what you just talked about where you're able to really break it down and explain to people whilst also appealing to the people that, you know, understand it. So, yeah, I think that's a, it's a a real gift of the brand, I think, to be able to do that.
1: Terrific.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because we're talking about the publication versus the paper, which I think is a really important sort of distinction there, especially in these modern times. And right now the journal has more than 3 million subscribers, actually more than it's ever had in its history, which I find quite fascinating. And so at a time where the perception is that newspaper readership is on the decline, why do you think that so many people are subscribing?
2: Yeah, there has been this misconception and you're right that the Wall Street Journal is bigger now than it's ever been. It's closer to 3.4 million subscribers, I think, that it's got now Um, and and the biggest in its history. And I think think there are two things that are happening. I think uh, where you get your news has never been more important. And I think people have really begun to understand that. So I think there's a societal context that is extremely helpful and that the news agenda has been just so lively for want of a better word. And then the second thing is I think the digital, you know, the digital economy has changed so much. So, you know, I spent the early part of my career trying to think, how do I convince people to pay for news? Mm. And, and that was in print and then in digital, right? Now it's not strange to pay for things in digital. It's not strange to pay for a service or a thing that actually you, you never, you know, physically have hold of. And that wasn't always the way. So I think what you're seeing now is that willingness to subscribe amongst younger audiences is really high because actually there isn't this sense of that I should be getting it for free. It's actually, I understand paying for quality. I understand paying for a service that, that I want to need. So I think those two things together have really seen an explosion in news and subscriptions and, and amongst trusted brands, people willing to pay.
0: Mm-hmm. And Susie, you mentioned kind of a younger audience, right? And and I'm just really curious if you're seeing a difference uh, in the audience makeup, because, you know, typically, you know, you think Wall Street Journal, you think kind of an old white guy, right? And So kind of what, or at least in the past. And so is it changing? What's changing? And and, and why do you think that is?
2: Yeah. So I think the media and news landscape had always over-indexed on an older, white male audience. That That's been a kind of a, generational industry challenge and that is changing right so you know the wall street journal really positions itself and increasingly in the last year has had this real focus around the audience being decision makers Mm. but making sure that that kind of decision maker audience actually feels very inclusive because our position on that is everyone's a decision maker back to where we started actually about you know whoever you are whether you're investing in big business or in your own personal savings or whatever it should be accessible and it needs to be accessible so we think about this audience of decision makers and how do we reach them and that's really Inspires so much more about how you think about the content that you promote and the audiences that you go after. So, the Wall Street Journal average age dropped from about 56 a couple of years ago to now 49, mm. and a digital wow. that's 41, right? Which I right. now obviously think is very young. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, it's now 41, and, and a lot of that's come from obviously the transition to digital that's helped massively, but also we've had a real focus on the student audience. Now, lots mm. of people will tell you the story about how how they first started reading the Wall Street Journal when they were at college, right? Lots of people talk about that. Lots of business people talk about that and the role that the journal had at that kind of early stage of their career. And we've really focused in on that and thought about how do we grow amongst those young audiences? How do we bring them into the Wall Street Journal? You know, we obviously transitioned the program from print to digital to be able to do that. And actually what we see amongst those audiences is actually the equal split of gender and a kind of national representation in terms of race so I like to think I suppose you could say does the Wall Street Journal reflect business or can the Wall Street Journal change the future face of business and I like to think it can change the future face of business so the more people that we can have accessing this kind of information understanding these kind of issues it, it feels like it's a good thing for what the future looks like.
1: Okay, I have to come in hot right now on the power of this publication. So the thing that got me interested in the Wall Street Journal a long time ago, I would say around 1990, was the Wall Street Journal Creative Leaders Series. I
2: know. Now this... Beautiful thing, isn't
1: it? I mean, this thing cracked my head open. You know, I was a young punk copywriter, and you started to read about You know these kind of heroes. You know, you know. There's Bill Bernbach, and there's you know Jay Shiat. You know, there's you know Lee Flah. It's the
2: font on those ads. It's (laughs) beautiful, isn't it? They have, they all have these different, slightly different fonts
1: that are yes, because it reflected the personality uh, of of the personality that it was featuring. But but I do I, I bring it up now because I think we are. I don't know we're sort of lacking our heroes particularly in the advertising business so part of this is a, is a plea to you maybe <laughs> we should bring the creative leader series back and especially as we have you know new rising talent new rising voices i don't know there, yeah. there's something interesting there but i will tell you that it had such a profound effect on me to get yeah. interested in reading that publication because i was not a wall street journal reader yeah. You no, know, as, as, as a young creator,
2: Do You know, I think you also, you hit on something. There's a couple of things in that which I think are, are interesting. One is we've started bringing back something around member voices because one of the great things, and I think the thing that's very different about the journal as a publication is the audience is as interesting as the publication itself, right? So the mm. fact that we've had Bill Gates do ads talking about the Wall Street Journal, actually talking about how he uses it for decision making, the fact that, you know, when I got here, we asked Carly Kloss and Am and all these people to star in our ads. And they mm. said, yes, they said, oh, it will be an honour, like it'd be, it'd yeah. be an honour to do that. So I think we're a really interesting publication because the value of our audience is as powerful as the brand and the reporting itself, which is a lovely place to be. So we brought back a series called Member Voices where we just highlight Mm. kind of, you know, CMOs that were within our network. But I think the interesting thing about the piece that you mentioned, Rob, around the the creatives is there's also this general sense, which is you haven't really made it until you are written about in the Wall Street Journal. Mm. And I always thought this when I went to um, our big tech conference, WSJ Tech Live. And I met these kind of young, you know, amazingly successful young entrepreneurs. And they said, oh, thank you so much for writing about me. Because my mom and dad didn't really think that I had actually done anything special until they read about it in the Wall Street Journal. Wow. And I think that's another real gift of the brand that it does signify that you've achieved if you're being written about and covered in
1: it. So. Oh, my God. And one, and one other thing, we don't have, uh, you know, stars of fame, but we have the head cut. Yes pixel you know I
2: have one it's like a gift it's it's just so <laughs> oh.
0: cool I know okay yeah. so it's settled so Rob's going to be featured in the Wall Street Journal because even though he's the CEO of TVWA Cheyenne Day mm-hmm. New York he hasn't really made it yet so really it yet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm, 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 a I'm done
1: a <laughs> we, we can make that Asha take it away I'm done <laughs> I, I made my point <laughs>
0: We, we talked a little bit about kind of the changing audience and, and all of the new entrants into not only the readership of the Wall Street Journal, but into this world of investing, right? And, you know, we interviewed a, a little while ago, the CMO of Reddit, yes, right? And, right. And, um, <laughs> and, and obviously you are very well aware of the impact that Reddit has had on stocks across the markets. I'm curious, Susie, to kind of get your thoughts on Retail investors and kind of this new emergence of kind of everyday people getting into uh, the markets, especially through apps, as you mentioned, like
2: Robinhood. You know, what do you think of this? Do you think it's a good thing? Well, I mean, I will leave the view on whether it's a good thing or not to people that have far more expertise than me in this space. But what I will say is that I think that what the journal's been able to do is really help, again, back to Rob's point, actually, to really help explain it to people and the impact that it has on both sides, if you like. And I think you know, the really interesting thing after the GameStop thing was obviously we had we had the big interview with Keith Gill, I think I've got the name right. And but we Who also, is not a cat,
0: by the way, who is just, not a cat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh we, definitely, we could go off on another whole other tangent with that. But I think the thing that the journal did really really well and what we've been doing more of, particularly in the last year was how you think about building community around moments like that. And mm-hmm. our reporters very quickly spun up a, a live Q&A, which is something that actually we started at the beginning of COVID because we just had this general sense. There were so many questions and the news was moving so quickly and people wanted to understand it. And they were able to translate, I think, uh, Rob, you know what you saw with that GE story mm-hmm. today they were able to do that in a live Q&A situation mm. and really get to grips with what this whole Oof, story meant and what that. had gone on. And I think that the journal, again, is really well-placed to be able to do that and to kind of do that, the high-low
1: mm. uh, you know, na-
2: nature yeah. of the stories. And, you know, I think during, at the start of COVID, because it's almost a year, I suppose, for us in the US, right, that yes. um, this, you know, period has, has gone on for. And at the start of it, when we were seeing so many questions from people, they introduced an Ask Wall Street Journal mm. uh, proposition. And they had some like 40,000 questions from people asking wow. about issues to do with COVID. And they were able to use kind of machine learning to sort through those and work out which ones they could answer within reporting that they were doing and which ones would actually have to almost commission new reporting. And I think whether it's GameStop and what's happening with investing, whether it's COVID, mm. I think that the kind of people turning to somewhere where they can get that trusted information and think about that through the lens of communities is really interesting.
1: And by the way, how cool is that? You take that now, fast forward, here we are in 2021 and suddenly it's a kind of a WSJ AMA on Clubhouse.
0: Right. You no, know, I mean, it's, uh,
1: but but it, but it is such a great, again, I think that's one of the hallmarks of the papers that, you know, uh, the publication, you know, we will illuminate what feels like the inscrutable. Yeah,
2: yeah. And really, yeah, get get into Explain it, and explain it in a way that's accessible, which is much needed. Yeah.
0: And speaking of 2021, it also marks a, what I think is a fantastic time in history with a new president mm. who is uh, not uh, shouting fake news at everything that he disagrees with, you know? And however, fake news is still a very real thing as many of us know. And so your team at the Wall Street Journal recently launched a news literacy program mm to help audiences really identify news versus opinion content, which I think is, is a very important distinction. You know, tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yes, it's been a really interesting period, as you say, and it became very clear when we were going back to... all the success that we've had in the last year, kind of what's central to it, trust is central to it, the Wall Street Journal's, you know, the the America's most trusted newspaper, and yet the landscape has been so difficult and so polarised, and how do you really begin to understand that? And one of the things that in our research it showed well, first of all, we treasure trust, it's the reason, you know, why we operate the way that we do, and that we have these things like very clear independent news and very clear independent opinion. And what you realise is that it's very clear when it's in the newspaper. It's very clearly labelled. If you, you know, if you've been a print reader, you go through the news section, then you get to an opinion section. It's clearly separated out. And actually, as a as a Brit coming to the US, that's not the way that it works in the UK and UK newspapers. Mm. You know, you have one editor across everything, whereas here, you know, we have Matt Murray, who's um, the editor of the Wall Street Journal and the newsroom, and then Paul Jago on the opinion side, clearly separated. And I couldn't get my head around it because. I kept on thinking, why don't you link from the newspaper? Why don't you say, read this article in the opinion section? And everyone said, no, it's completely separate. They don't know what each other are writing. And I couldn't get my head around it. And what you realize is that lots of people can't get their head around it. Lots of people don't understand that difference. And in our research, we saw that first of all, people really cared, you know, people felt deeply about trust. Trust had a high uh, correlation to willingness to pay so this isn't just a you know just a but this isn't this isn't you know just a journalistic principle this is a business principle that is at the core of who we are and and how we do what we do but people don't understand it and in digital they really don't understand it if they're new subscribers and they're coming in through side you know sideways be it through twitter or through you know article pages or whatever and so we said how can we address that and we just thought we have to really outline what those differences are and we worked with the news literacy project And we kicked off a campaign in a microsite that really goes into explaining those differences, how they work, you know, standards and ethics is a a really crucial part of the Wall Street Journal and and that team that, you know, really makes sure that everything across the business is, you know, is done so rigorously and, and can be so well trusted. And the results were really positive in that people who saw the video and saw the explanation said that they not only understood the difference better, but they also saw that the role opinion plays within the Wall Street Mm. Journal and at large, uh, you know, in society, Mm. how important the role of that product is. And so, yeah, it's definitely not a one and done. This is a campaign that will live and breathe. We will come back and talk about how we clearly differentiate advertising, how we do have a standards and ethics department, how we label things. All of that will be part of this campaign, but we started with the difference between news and opinion because it's so misunderstood.
0: Mm. Right, that's really great. And, and something that you said is a, a really great parallel with our industry of, of advertising in that trust equates with a willingness to pay. you know and yeah. in, in our field, we, we talk a lot about trusted brands and yeah. instilling that level of trust with our core audiences and, and I think that that's especially true for
2: news for sure. Definitely. And in the last year, I think it's also been you know I think people are turning even more to those brands that have that trust and that safety and security and people are looking for, I think looking for that more than, more than ever. Mm -hmm. Um, so we, yeah, we, we hold it very dear. Yeah.
0: And so now we're gonna pivot and, and talk a little bit about your journey, Susie. Mm-hmm. You've been working in news, you mentioned you're coming from the Times of London, and you've been in news for 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. And you joined uh, the Wall Street Journal back in 2014, which is yeah. about 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, uh, throughout your illustrious career, how has the business of newspapers really changed?
2: So, I would say lots of things have changed, and lots of things have stayed the same. I think the things that have stayed the same are the you know the passion within the business it's a very you know people who work in the industry are very driven by a purpose there is a higher mission, and I think that's what motivates people even when you 're working in an industry that people as you started with, you have this perception of this industry is, you know, a struggle. We've been told that for a long time, but actually, you know, news is booming. And so I think that's kind of an interesting tension, but there is always a sense of why you're doing what you're doing. And that's why I loved it when I first came into it. I think what's changed is actually it being a business in growth. I spent, you know, Mm. I remember my first day at the Times in London and I remember the the conversations that were being asked. And I say this a lot, but the, the questions being asked were, how do we grow? How do we attract a younger audience? How do we transition to digital? Mm-hmm. And I now look at it. I kind of like you know the Wall Street Journal is bigger than it's ever been before. It's a digital business. You know more of the revenue comes from digital. We've got more digital subscribers than print, and we've mm-hmm. got a younger audience than ever. So there has definitely been this transition, and I think you know a lot of it happened back at the times in 2010 we introduced paid digital subscriptions and it's the time when the iPad also launched and I think there was an interesting thing that happened there where the idea, the concept of buying an app felt Mm. like you were actually purchasing something whereas when you were being asked to pay for a website before perhaps Uh, in people's minds that it was a bit more difficult to get hold of so that was kind of an interesting piece that came together. But at the journal, you know, they've had digital subscriptions. They were the first with a paywall in, I think it was mm. 96. So I think what's changed is it's now very customer centric. The date is there you've got a real focus obviously on the subscription business as a key driver of growth which means everyone's more cognizant of what customers are thinking and and how they're reading and what the experience is so I'd say that the thing that remains true is the purpose and the role of the journalism has not changed and is that the driving force and that runs throughout but the skill set and the business model has just changed dramatically you know a real kind of shift which has been amazing to be part of and work with some amazing people along the way on making that happen.
1: And when you were in school, were you a journalism person or a storyteller? I mean, what? What? I mean, what's interesting about your position is that you tell the story of people who tell stories. It's it's a very yeah, interesting yeah. Uh, position. Well, it's
2: interesting from a marketing perspective, right? Because you don't own the product. Mm. Ultimately, you have a, and that's one of the things that I've always really loved about the role. Is I love working with newsrooms. They mm. are, you know, some of the most smart driven people. And I think whilst that can obviously make it challenging, the work that you can get from that is really fantastic. And so when you can build that relationship with newsrooms and with editors in particular to really think about how you can kind of drive more success for the bid line. and ultimately the drive for, I think, lots of people that work in the commercial side of news is how can you make sure it has a sustainable economic, you mm. know, model for the next 130 years. Right. If you love reading news, you really want that to happen. And that's a great reason to get up and go to work in the morning.
0: Hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, and, and we're recording this interview right now during Women's Month. It's the mm-hmm. month of March. Uh, and I'm sure our listeners can hear that you are a pretty awesome excuse my French, badass woman. <laughs> and uh, however, I'd really be remiss if I didn't sort of mention the fact that, you know, all of us know that the world of Wall Street has a perception of being a very male-dominated field, right? Mm. And so, you know, is the Wall Street Journal doing anything to address gender equality, either within the organization
2: or, or beyond? Yeah. So I think, I mean, within this reporting, the journal, in the time that I've been here, we launched the Women in report with McKinsey back in 2015 and that was a really fantastic report that looked at the kind of the nature of the workplace for women and off the back of that really created a series so the reports continued but the reporting has continued there's a women in newsletter and there's events there's actually one this week around women in investing and finance So we think of it as, you know, it's a very important community within our membership base that we want to make sure that we serve. And that's true in terms of the diversity and the makeup that we have both within, you know, the newsroom and the company at large. And I'm lucky to be surrounded by a lot of extremely powerful and brilliant women across Dow Jones and The Wall Street Journal who are really central to that. And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely a focus. Let's get back to the student piece, right? If we can make sure that we're attracting those audiences whilst they're in college, then how do we make sure that we're keeping them and that we're engaging them? Yeah. And that's got to be a focus of what we do and, and how we think about how we position the brand and, you know, for Matt and the newsroom in terms of how they do their reporting and what they cover.
1: By the way, I think just on this topic, I think what, what is somewhat refreshing to see is that there, there is a rise of more prominent female CEOs. You think about Jane Fraser at Citibank or, uh, you know, we're seeing all kinds of coverage just over the last two weeks of Kathy Wood at ARC now. So there's, again, I think it goes back to, not to bring everything back to the Creative Leaders series, but, (laughs) you know, the other interesting thing about news is that news also creates icons. Mm Yes. You know, And, and and again, the other amazing thing about Wall Street Journal is, the iconic stories, you know, I mean, I'm older than, than all you guys, but, you know, the, the R.J. Nabisco buyout. I mean, that was a Wall Street Journal blockbuster. You know, yeah. Enron blockbuster. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, th- there's a myth making, too, that it's trusted myth making.
2: Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I think the magazine does the Innovators series mm. um, and WSJ Magazine's Innovators. And that's similar in that it just highlights and showcases some of these amazing names from so many different fields that are you know, so you've almost got, you've got the power of, we always talk about the journal being this kind of intersection of power, business and, and money and, mm. and, and the, and the characters that come out, the stories that come out of that. And when Matt, the editor talks about it, he talks about, you know, the fact that, and I love this, that actually the Wall Street Journal's lens on the world is through business, is, right. is through these mm-hmm. stories. And actually we believe that that is actually the driving force of the world and, and everything else that comes out of it, the politics and things that come out of it. Is really just a byproduct of what's happening in how we spend our money, the places where we work, the businesses that we invest in. And I think that that again gets back to the piece around it's very accessible and inclusive when you look at it through that lens.
0: Power, business, money, intrigue, mm-hmm. color for characters. It sounds it's, like it's a movie. It's basically a Netflix <laughs> series every day. But it's
2: the truth.
1: <laughs> hey, I, I have a um, before you give us some advice, I have a uh, equity graphic question the wall street journal period that's what it looks Mm -hmm. like on the masthead the period is there anything within your world that talks about why the period was born exists
2: that actually you know what we did some research on it recently oh i love it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I, I i need to find i'm going to find it and send it to you because i can't Please. remember the exact story but it was a very specific decision and i'm so grateful that it is because i think it's again talk about iconic right it's I, I think it's you know we talk about wall street journal to the point
1: Ah, very crafty Susie. Um, i like it
2: um <laughs> so i will do i'll dig it out for you rob because <laughs> I, I can't i can't i'm gonna otherwise i'm not going to do the story justice but there is a good story about it Terrific. that is really good i think to all the papers used to have it i think the story is that all papers used to have it and everybody else removed it i think so i'll, I'll clarify that and come back to
1: oh i love that That, that is, is love, that
0: was a great question rob that mm. oh my gosh i feel like we got the inside scoop here yeah, uh, i know very <laughs> good
1: so yeah so susie we, we have cmos to listen to this show your peers uh we have rising talent and we have uh young talent and uh kind of all over the world so what do you think, Asha? Who, who should Susie give some advice to? What do you think? <laughs> right. uh,
0: I, think uh, I think people looking to overcome a seemingly daunting challenge, right? Like, mm. how do you make a newspaper profitable in 2021?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I think I would start with no ego. Mm. I think somebody far smarter than me talked about, you know, the question being, are you good enough to get better? I think starting with that and particularly when you are surrounded in an industry that does have quite a lot of egos, I really don't care whose idea it is. I just want to get stuff done. So I think we always say, you know, hashtag no ego is a really uh, crucial thing, even if you've got secret ego, but I put it to the side would, would be a really important thing. I think there is also about really focusing on the outcome and what it is that you're trying to get done. And actually so much of the other stuff doesn't matter like actually, why are you trying to get it done? If you're surrounding yourself with great people and great talent, if you can enjoy it, but just think about, we're just trying to get this thing done, then that's also important. And being really prepared to sit in complexity. I think so many people, again, this is from, I guess, somebody far more, far smarter than I am, but I think it will feel difficult. These things do feel difficult and that's okay. And actually, the way you have to get through that complexity and kind of just recognizing that is, I think, really important. So knowing that this is really difficult and I can't work this out, but knowing that most people then give up. So don't give up at that point, keep going with it because, you know, whether it's in a week's time and a month's time, suddenly that it will often clear. And I also believe that the answer is normally in the room, right? The people that you are working with, if you can build uh, that kind of relationship that has got really deep trust, then the answer will probably probably be sitting in the room and somebody you need to draw out somebody i think
1: well susie i would tell you that the answer is on the zoom you have... <laughs> i mean we can't thank you enough i mean just uh you gave us you know so much of your time and so many good ideas and uh, we really appreciate what you've done uh to make the wall street journal something really special and something indispensable for people who are interested in power business money and and moving the world forward positively
2: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And it's a a pleasure to um, serve a brand that's got this 130-year-old history and make sure that it grows in future.
0: Thank you for helping push the future forward. You are appreciated. (laughs) Thanks so
2: much. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to the Disruptor Series podcast, Adweek's Agency Podcast of the Year. Craving more disruption? Visit us at
2: tbwashydayny.com.